Hi everyone, this is Joshua Hoffman and welcome to another episode of the Masters in Marketing Agency podcast, where we deconstruct the why and how agency owners found their success and discuss a few things they learned along the way. Today I have Joe Giovanoli, the founder and CEO of NineSale, a digital marketing firm that specializes in working with law firms to aid them in their achieving their growth goals by leveraging SEO, paid search, content creation, and digital PR services. Welcome, Joe. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So uh, I'm going to say a few words right now, and then I want you to pick one and then just go in any direction uh, that you want to with those. So it's going to be, and I think these are from your LinkedIn, uh, wine, bourbon, golf, and outdoors. Okay, <laughs> How do I pick? It's like picking your, best, your favorite kid. I'll give you two. Oh man, I don't know. Uh, I guess you know, wine and bourbon. I, I love love both of them. So we pick one. <laughs> uh, favorite wine and favorite bourbon. Yeah. So favorite wine is actually um, uh, Trefethen's, uh, which is a, a California Napa Valley uh, winery. Uh, their Reserve Cab by far my favorite. I probably have like 30 bottles in my wine fridge of all different years and vintages. Um, and favorite bourbon is Angel's Envy. It's, uh, I, I like to say that I found it before it was cool. <laughs> yeah, I think we might talk to this a little bit before. That's like me with glass animals. I feel like I found them before they were. They were yeah, cool. yeah, uh, exactly. Yep. <laughs> uh, now business stuff. Um, I understand your first business was actually something you started as a school project. Can you kind of talk a little bit more about that and, and if it, if and how it kind of guided you to your marketing world now? Yeah, sure. So uh, when I was in, in college, we were assigned a, a project uh, to write a business plan. Um, and, you know, my question to my professor was, why would I write a business plan for a business I'm not going to start? You know, uh, the, the project was to write it on a specific industry. I actually don't even remember the industry that they asked us to write it on. And I said, listen, I said, I don't, I don't have interest in that. I said, I, can I write a business plan on a business that I might actually be interested in starting? And if we can start it and actually get a client and prove that we've been able to execute our business plan, can I have an A? And, uh, you know, after some back and forth, you know, he, he agreed to let myself and, and a partner write up this, this business plan. And so, um, we started a, we wrote a business plan for, and started a social media marketing agency for small to mid-sized companies. And this was, you know, 2011, 2000, yeah, it's probably 2010, 2011. So social media for small businesses, like they were, they were on it, but they were just getting onto it. It was much of a, you know, bigger business landscape. And it's crazy to say that sitting here in 2023, you know, social media is like every day, right? Like this is, this is the beginning phases of when businesses started to get there. Uh, and so, um, we were off and running, we had a couple of clients, uh, that we were operating and, you know, we were able to present this to our class and to some of the professional, um, staff that was, was at the school and, uh, long and the short of it, I got the grade that I had requested to get. So, uh, yeah, so I ran that business for a couple of years after, um, after the project and, you know, actually ended up, you know, when I, when I graduated, I ended up going to work for a uh, marketing agency. Uh, I brought in my social media knowledge. I went in as a business development person, but um, that experience really helped me to catapult into the marketing agency world. Did you like sell the business to that first job at all? Did you bring the book of business into that business? 
So yeah, so no, we we uh, when I went into the business, I you know I yeah I had a couple of clients that I had wor- been working with, so you know being able to sell them all the services that this firm uh, had was was great, and um, so I was able to do that. So for me, it was kind of uh, I knew that that wasn't going to be my future business, and and I knew that I didn't I wasn't ready to be a business owner at the time, nor frankly did I think I wanted to be after that experience um, for a few different reasons, but. Um, you know, I, I was able to bring in some, some of my contacts and was able to build a pretty nice book of business for the couple of years that I was there. Why didn't, why do you think you didn't want to be a business owner then? Um, I had a bad partner experience the, you know, my first time out the gate, uh, like many people do, um, because they just don't know what they don't know. And they don't, they don't know how to set some of the ground rules and set some of the boundaries and, you know, frankly, don't know what they're vetting. Right. So, um, once that happened, I kind of pushed it out of my mind. Um, you know, I also working for a a small agency at the time, you know, I had a lot of exposure to, you know, how things worked and, you know, in terms of, you know, going out and getting sales and hiring people. And, you know, I saw how we were growing and at the time it didn't interest me. I, I was like, wow, that seems like a lot of headache. I I don't know that I want to do it. So, um, you know, for those reasons, really, I never thought that I would, I would start a business. That wasn't the goal. I've oh even more interesting. Uh, I, I've been I've I've started two companies. The first, all of our founders were fine and dandy. We're still friends today. The second one, um, I'm cool with all of them, but two you know two of them um, may have had a little bit of an issue too. So you know, are there any kind of warning signs that you could have identified or ways to avoid you know having a bad partner, or do you think you just have to jump in and you'll learn later? Yeah. So. Um... Hiring, dating, and working with a partner and finding a partner for your business are all virtually the same, right? You need to know you need to know what you're looking for. You need to know what you're um, trying to achieve, and you need to make sure that the person that you are doing that with is aligned with those same goals and values. Um, I have had three business partners, uh, four business partners, excuse me, uh, over the course of owning you know, my two businesses, right? So, uh, actually three, sorry, I take that back three businesses. Uh, I had a, I had a short stint, uh, early on when I owned nine sale that we were doing some, uh, restaurant marketing, stuff like that. I was doing it with a friend of mine. Um, but what I've learned from each one of those, those situations and now to my current partner in the business, um, who him and I are 100% aligned on our values. We're 100% aligned on the vision for where the company's going. Um, with, without question, he's also been in the business for five years. So he, he is a, somebody that bought into the business. Um, so, you know, you really have to make sure you're aligned all the way through. And the only way, unfortunately, I think to figure that out in most cases is to have a few, you know, misfires, before you finally find the right person to, you know, to work with in your business. And last question on that first company, how did you guys or you get your first customer? Uh, walked in the door, just, uh, walked in, walked into uh, a gym. I asked to meet the owner. I told him I was a college student working on a project, got me through the, through the gatekeeper and, said, Hey, listen, I said, this is, this is where, this is where I'm at. You know, I wrote this business plan for this business. We started it. We're, we're, we're operating it. 
you know, the goal isn't really for us to make a ton of profit. We, we wanted to, we want to prove that this model works. Uh, can we, can we have your business? Um, you know, we charged them a thousand dollars a month to do social media, which wasn't insignificant. Right. And it was good. Yeah, it, was good beer, it was good amazing. beer money. Yeah, um, yeah. but, uh, you know, we, we worked with that client for, I think nine months, um, something like that. We yeah. learned a lot. We learned a lot about the things that we needed, the tools we needed. Um, and you know, so yeah, that was, I just walked in the door and asked for the business. I, I gotta say, uh, being able to say you're a college student, like milk that while you can type thing. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> you can't say that. It's like, now you're a business person and like, now I don't want to talk to you and it's a lot harder. So, uh, no, that's, I, I, well, love that I, I will tell you something though, you know, I, unless you're like Mark Zuckerberg or, you know, and of course that just saying that name is, is, uh, you know, controversial, super controversial, right. Cause people all have their own opinions about him, but unless you're like a Mark Zuckerberg or a Jeff Bezos or something where, you know, you have this ability to build out you know, some amazing platform or you have some coding gift or something like that. And you have a vision for kind of what you're thinking about maybe doing, um, you know, Mark Zuckerberg is an example. It, you know, it, it, the stories are that his father offered him a McDonald's franchisor to go to, um, go to Harvard. Right. So, um, he had a lot of the means that he needed to get to where he needed to go. Um, but, you're probably not well suited in college to start your business, right? And and I'm glad I tried, right? Because it, it taught me a lot, and I I came into the working world with some education, some some school of you know hard knocks, if you will, right? Because I learned a few things along the way. Um, but you know, I don't even know that when I started my company the first time, I was totally equipped to to do this, this business. Right. And, and I learned a lot along the way. So, you know, I always tell people, I go, I, I lecture at my alma mater a lot, uh, you know, I guess lecture and I tell students, I say, go get big experience, go big, get big business experience, go get small company experience, soak up everything that they do and learn from it, because that's going to help you. If you decide to be an entrepreneur and you decide to start a business, that's going to help you to set yourself up for success. And you'll actually be prepared to do it rather than flying by the seat of your pants and hoping that it becomes profitable. Man, where were you in my college classes? <laughs> I, I, I needed to hear that. I, I jumped in my first startup way too early. Um, I was not prepared. I didn't have enough. Like I was on the sales side and I was never taught like anything on the sales side besides this two month door to door business that I did. Um, so yeah, you could have saved me a few years of headache, uh, had, had <laughs> from you. How did you uh, find your current business partner? Uh, so he grew up, uh, eight doors down from me. Um, he's, uh, six years younger than me, I believe. Um, uh, he was my, he was my neighbor, uh, you know, and, and so, it's funny, you know, I didn't, I actually didn't hire him into the business at the time I had my business, my prior business partner. Um, he needed somebody to come on as an intern. Brian, uh, was, uh, in college at the time, this is five and a half years ago. Um, and needed somebody to do some, some work at the time and we needed an intern. So we, we hired Brian and, um, the rest is kind of history. I, I bought out my business partner. Uh, Brian's been in the business, you know, been director of operations for like two ish of year, two years, approximately maybe two and a half years. And, uh, you know, last, last year brought into the business as a, as a partner, so as a minority partner. So 
Yep. No, that's great. I might want to. I might ask to interview him as well because uh, most of the time we're interviewing founders. But uh, one of my favorite episodes that we recorded was someone who actually I think also started as an intern and grew their way up to CEO, president, um, and it was just like a great story. So obviously, you know, we try to focus on people starting a business and marketing firm and everything like that. But um, you know, I'm sure there's some listeners that don't necessarily want to be the founder, but still want to you know get to that point of president, CEO, or COO. Um, so really interesting. Taking a step back now, do you mind telling us a little bit more about your agency? Sure, yeah, absolutely. So, first thing that that I'll, I'll tell you is that we typically don't reference ourselves as an agency; we call ourselves a firm. Um, and it's the reason we do firm. that, damn it, <laughs> it's Sorry. okay, it's okay. And I, and I'll tell you why, right? So, the, the the terms agency and firm in the with the people we work with, which is our law firms, right? They have different connotations in, in any industry. You're going to have a different connotation with each one of those words, right? When you think of an agency, you think of like, oh, agency of record, uh, design agency, creative agency. We are so, so specialized and so specific that we only, we, you know, and I, I always joke with our team, right? Like we have a firm set of services that we provide. Therefore, we are a firm, right? And, and for us, it's just about, you know, semantics of, of the word, right? But um, so we work with law firms. Uh, we help them to grow, as you said, at the top of the call in your intro. Um, and we do that through search engine optimization and paid search, which, which by the way, are, are kind of where we, we have always cut our teeth. I can tell you a little bit of backstory about that if you want, but um, where we've always cut our teeth. And, you know, in the last couple of years, uh, content creation and digital PR services, you know, became a, a big part of what we we started to do for our clients because it's it's like the sawdust theory. I don't know if you ever heard of somebody say you know sawdust. So at working at like a wood mill or or a, a, you know some sort of furniture place, right? You know they cut wood. What when you cut wood? What happens? You create sawdust. You could either throw the sawdust out, or you can take that sawdust, repackage it, and sell it to be an absorbent or some kind of of um, you know uh, agent of some kind, compound of some kind, and use it. Right? People use sawdust to sweep things up. There's a lot of uses for it. So um, very similar. Both content creation and digital public relations were sawdust of our business. We were actually doing and touching most of it, but we were never really packaging it as a service and we weren't really putting a ton of emphasis around it. So we saw this opportunity to 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 grow that out. Um, and these are all services that law firms consume, right? So they're things that they hire uh, service providers for. And, and so um, that is why we've, we've, you know, provided the services that we've, we've provided for as long as we have. Um, I'm might start to become obsessed with this sawdust theory. You couldn't have said anything probably more relevant to me right now. Um, <laughs> I have this obsession with trash businesses. I, I just think it's like the best business. If you can find the right trash business, it, it's got to be one of the best business models out there. And I actually just started um, trying to form my own fire starter uh, with sawdust and like this unique mushroom and everything. Yep. So yep. I got goosebumps. I'm like, get out of here. Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah, yeah, uh, no, it's uh, teach. Sorry, sorry. Uh, you mentioned uh, backstory of cutting uh, cutting your teeth, um, and you said you could dive into that. You knew you knew I was going to ask that question, so I would yeah, love to I figured. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, we started as a full service marketing agency, providing websites, uh, creative services like branding and, and logos and all that, um, content creation, SEO, paid search, and um, grew the business, you know, pretty quickly. 
my, you know, kind of my first 18 months in business grew the company to be over a quarter million dollars in revenue. Having had zero experience in doing this, I was like, wow, this is, <laughs> this is easy. And, uh, I hired, you know, hired way too many people. I learned a lot of lessons. Right. And, and so, um, <laughs> decided and, and and I'm a big fan of John Warillo's book Built to Sell. Um and it was a very similar situation. It was, you know, we had all of these fires burning around us of website projects that were, you know, people weren't happy with because people are almost never happy with a website project when they're done. They take too long, opinions change, they talk to family and friends and they get their opinions and then those flood into their head and they, you know, everything that they loved yesterday, they don't love today because somebody said something. Um, anyway, so all these fires were burning around us and we were, you know, we had a couple of SEO clients at the time and we were getting nice messages once a week, like, Hey, just closed a hundred thousand dollar, you know, case, you know, Hey, just settled a million dollar case that, you know, made the firm $300,000. Like, thank, you know, thanks so much for all your work. It, you know, this is, this is really working. And, uh, I had this, this moment of clarity and I'm like, Oh my gosh, what are we doing? you know, like, let's, let's just do this. Let's just do this. Cause we do it really well. And so we had to make some tough decisions. We had, we, we let go most of our staff, we let go most of our clients, you know, and we had to do that in a way where we had to deliver on the work that we had agreed that we would do, but then we helped to introduce them to new partners who could continue along the journey with them that would get us out of it. And that took about 12 to 18 months to get out of, but we made this decision to go SEO and, and, and then eventually paid search. Um, and then fast forward another year, 18 months. I remember sitting in my conference room, my, my director of operations and, and now partner will tell you this conversation sitting in the conference room. And I said, I only want to have to go. I want to go, only want to go after law firms and construction companies. And we had one law firm and three construction companies on our books at the time. And my, at the time business partner was like, what, what, why would we do that to ourselves? Why wouldn't we work with everybody? So that way we could work with everybody and actually make a ton of money. And I was like, no, no, I uh, specialty. We need to be specialized. Like we, we have specialty services. We want to, we want to be specialized. And so, um, and then fast forward another two years, you know, we've, we're we just, just law firms, right? Like that was our core focus. We hired uh, a marketing director out of a law firm to help us to, to focus on, on just law firms. Right. And, you know, the rest is history. So that, that was kind of our, our journey, but SEO was always really where we were really good. Didn't realize we were really good until we committed to it. And that's why we, we did what we did. The customers you got rid of, um, you know, in hindsight, would you have said no to them at, uh, like in the beginning, or do you think that you had to learn those lessons to get to the point that you're at now? Yeah, we would have, I had no idea. I had no idea what I was doing. So of course, you know, I, uh, we, we took on anybody that had budget, you know, and I wasn't savvy enough at the time to figure out what profitability meant or, you know, I was, I was hiring people. I was saying, okay, if the project was five grand, I'm going to pay you 1500 to do the work. That was initially, I started with a contractor and I wasn't getting the quality I needed because I was only paying a 1500 bucks, right? Like they could make more money elsewhere. And then when I hired a team, you know, when projects stalled because a client, you know, we all know how websites work, you know, it's, it, it's a three month, should be two to three month project that stalls because the client gets busy and it's a six month project. Well, milestone payments don't, aren't coming in when they're supposed to, and you still have payroll to make. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't have knowing now, 
I would, I would, I would have just avoided that whole part of the industry entirely and, and just been a specialist right out of the gate. Cause it, it it's so much easier to run the business that way. Man, again, where were you during uh, my game plan days? Um, <laughs> how did you guys, I wish, uh, by that I mean, I wish we went more niche also. I, I wish we didn't focus on everyone that does group bookings. I wish we stuck to our own, you know, whether it's event uh, venues or whatever. How did you guys get your first customer? Um, and how did you guys get to that quarter million? So first customer was uh, somebody that I knew from my previous agency life. So I had worked at, um, I had worked at a, uh, the, the marketing agency and I left and I got headhunted by an agency uh, that was in Hoboken, New Jersey. Um, and while I was there, I was reached out to by somebody that I had spoken to in the past. And he said, Hey, um, I, I, I do really want to do a website, you know, but I really wanted to hire you to do it. You know, can we work together? Which was kind of the, one of the catalysts for me starting the company was that I did have people that wanted to work with me. So I was like, okay, yeah, let me, let me, let's do that. Right. And so that's how we got that client. Um, my first big client though, the one that was the most notable and actually allowed me to go and do this on my own was a restaurant group. Um, they had four restaurants and they hired me as their outsourced director of marketing. Um, I learned very quickly though, that that was something I didn't have an interest in doing was like having to travel up there all the time and, and, you know, be there and take pictures of events and things like that. And, you know, we were talking about sports bars that they were in. So like, I wasn't, I wasn't loving it, but it was, it, they ma- it matched my salary that I was making at the last place. So it'll, all the extra money I looked at is gravy, right? And and that was a, also a mistake. I shouldn't have looked at that, it that way because I was able to just spend it without really thinking about with hiring people and whatever. Um, because I was like, oh, well, this is money I never had before. So I'll just keep reinvesting it. But I wasn't reinvesting it smart, you know, in an intelligent way. So um, that was essentially the, the, you know, the first couple of clients I had, and then I just kept adding, right. And it was all different industries, e-commerce, you name it. We were doing mostly website projects, but, um, that's how we grew it to the first quarter million. How did you get, how did you get those customers? Uh, word of mouth, you know, uh, yeah. Hey, Joe, Joe's out on his own, right. That was, yeah. that was mainly like, I got phone calls that said, Oh, Hey, heard you're out on your own. Um, I've been looking at doing this project and been putting it off. I'm sure you could use the business. Let's, let's work together. When did you make your first hire? And like, what was the moment? If there was a moment that you're like, shit, I need help. Um, okay. So my first hire was actually a contractor that I ended up then hiring full time because I learned a lot, um, through an organization called entrepreneurs organization. Um, but when I, the reason I hired him full time, uh, I had just come off of working. It was Thursday and I had just come off of working an 80 hour work week at on Thursday. I hadn't even gotten to Friday yet. And I was in a meeting with, um, in an uh, accelerate, it's called, um, accountability groups. The accelerator program has them. Uh, and the mentor of the group asked me to stay afterwards to talk. And I was like, man, I'm so tired. I'd love to just go home, whatever, but okay. And we stayed for another two hours and he just told me story after story after story about him, how he burned out, how, you know, all these different things and how hiring a person to take a lot off of his plate really allowed him to not only have quality of life, but help to grow his business. And he was running a very successful company. Um, The next day I extended an offer to this contractor I had been working with for a full-time role. Um, And literally one month later, 
I, I was only working 60 hours a week versus closer to 90 to a hundred hours a week. Um, and so, and that continued to drop as I went and, but then I got very higher happy and I started hiring more people. Cause like, Oh, okay. That you could do this, you could do that, whatever. And there wasn't enough work for a full-time person and I was paying full-time salaries. So, uh, that, that's really the reason why I, I hired and, and when I hired. I appreciate you sharing that. What is your uh, full-time slash like contractor split now? Uh, no. So we're, we're all full-time. Um, okay. I have one contractor that we work with on a fixed fee scale up, scale down basis. Um, mm-hmm. uh, that's actually not true. We have a couple of other couple of contract writers for very specialty niche things, oh. but uh, they're, fixed, fixed bid, fixed fee things. Right. So I actually, they don't even look in, they're not even in my variable, um, expense expenses. They're in my fixed expenses because when we do a project, I know that their expense is this and it's not going to change. And so I can actually account for that when, when doing a project or or quoting a project or quoting a, a, a client. So I actually have them, I don't even look at them as contractors. I look at, look at them as hard costs. Yeah, that's that's great. And I know you have a pretty big focus on your core values. I think it was either on our last conversation or website. Um, can you share a little bit? Well, let me actually say a little bit more. There are a lot of people that I think, you know, I've talked to that have core values and put it on their website. And I actually just had a conversation about this the other day with the new co-founder that I'm working with um, about how there's a difference between people that just put up values on their website and ones that actually implement it and care about them. And it's a huge difference. And, and you, and you can usually see it in the founder and there's usually a purpose why. So can you just kind of share a little bit more about what the values are and and why you develop them? Yeah. So great question. So, uh, I'll give you a a quick little backstory. I I have a lot of those. So, um, but we're here for, so where the company's called nine sale, right. And, and initially the nine, nine in the name was the nine step website process that we had built out. I, again, built to sell was had a really big impact on my life, that book. And so I thought, Hey, I'm going to productize the website part of our business by creating a nine step website process. Well, when we stopped doing websites is like, well, hell, the nine doesn't have any meaning anymore. So I was like, all right, well, fine. Nine core values. And I'm sitting with a, a mentor of mine and he goes, Who, call your best employee. So at the time I only had a couple, I called Brian. Right. And I, and I, went to go say, Hey, and my mentor ripped the phone out of my hand and goes, hi, my, you know, my name's, I'm going to make it him anonymous. Um, what are the company's core values? And he, Brian was able to name four and then he like was pausing whatever. And he's like, all right, so you're, I'm going to just assume that you're looking up the rest of these. So thank you. You're not in trouble. Thank you for doing that. Right. And hangs up and goes, you need four core values. Cause that's what your people will remember is the four core values. So, uh, we sat down and really did, uh, a lot of thinking and a lot of, uh, planning as a group, as you know, as a company, we made it a company effort. And so our core values from that point forward ended up becoming, um, make dad proud, extreme ownership, always learn and raise the bar. Now, fast forward a couple of years, we realized that we just kind of threw those words on paper because they sounded good, but they weren't quite, weren't quite jiving with the people we wanted to hire. So 
we made some some big changes to to them um actually in the last couple of years and and most notably actually in the last couple of months we the 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 meaning of it didn't change but the words changed in the way that we present it um which was make dad proud it's now make your heroes proud um and we wanted to do that to make it a little bit more inclusive um but make dad proud was the was the 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 main reason that I started this business. Um, my dad was diagnosed with ALS in 2013, a few months after I graduated college. Um, and you know, he had said to me that I was, I was there the day he was diagnosed and he said to me, don't, don't not do something you're going to regret later. Right. And, and, um, great with words, dad, but, um, he, you know, ultimately means like, take a risk, right? Like, don't be afraid, like life short. I understood what he meant by it. And so it took me a couple of years to understand what that meant. And, you know, I said, okay, 2015, I'm going to do this. Right. So, um, but core values are at the center of hiring for us, firing for us, uh, incentivizing and, and, and compensating, you know, bonuses, all that, like the core values have to be brought back in. You know, did somebody exemplify a, a core value above and beyond what we expect? Um, it's, it's always a conversation for us. And, Every quarter, we revisit our core values to make sure that are they still on brand? Are they are they do they fit everybody? Is there something that's come up that needs to be changed? And again, we don't change our core values often because core values aren't supposed to change all that much. But um, like I said, this past this past December, we sat down as a team and said we we need to make make dad proud more inclusive because many people maybe it's not their dad that's the the person that they want to make proud. Maybe it's you know their mom or their 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 uh, grandparents or, you know, Captain America, right? Like they, you know, who knows? Mark McGuire. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Yeah. So so exactly. Right. So make your heroes proud, which was a a recommendation from our marketing director. And um, that was a hard one for me personally to let, you know, to change and to let go. But um, Mm -hmm. I was very glad that he felt comfortable enough to bring that to the table. Cause I said, you know what, you're, you're totally right. I had to sleep on it, but I was like, you're totally right. Like, I think, I think this is a good move for the company. And so that's why we did it. Well, first, I, I really appreciate you uh, telling that story. Um, and I think it does show, you know, the why behind the values. Um, and actually, again, kind of talking to, to this new co-founder I've been working with, and I was expressing to him again, this just difference between just plopping it on your website. And, and honestly, what I think that you guys do, and the story that I told him uh, that you told me, was how you actually buy uh, the extreme ownership book for all new employees and, and and have them read that. And I think that if there's a tangible difference between people that just, again, just put it on their website and, and actually like apply it to their business, that's one tangible way of actually doing it. Uh, I have not read the book yet. It's like number two next on my list. Um, but I love Jocko. So um, yeah, yeah, please. I was just going to say too, and, and, you know, I, I kept alluding to, we made some changes to the core values, right? And so I, I shared what they were originally, but, um, so make your heroes proud, uh, extreme ownership, always learn and work the problem. Um, our, our core values and, and have held those core values strong for several years. And, and like that last one of work the problem, man, like that is such a hireable trait that you can really like suss out early in, in the process, um, you know, asking people questions around examples of ways that they've solved certain problems and listening to the way that they did it. And it's not about the problem or the solution they found, but rather like the process they took to get there. 
Um, and you know, so it's, that has just been incredible. And like, you need to read extreme ownership. I personally, right. Speaking from experience, I've read it so many times. I actually, if we hire multiple people, I will offer to read it alongside them. So we, we can talk about the chapters as they, uh, as they go. Um, but man, what, a what great life lessons out of that book, not only just business lessons. You've convinced me to move that above my quarantine. All right, good. Uh, I was going to read the book next. I'm in Sapiens right now. Uh, so, all right, Sol, you, you got me good on that. <laughs> um, a few questions at the end that I tend to ask <coughs> most guests. Um, if you had to teach something to other marketers, what would it be? Other marketers? Um, you're going to learn more from the failures than the successes. Um, I think that's true in both business and marketing. Um, you know, things aren't going to work, right? There's a saying, I don't remember who said it, but there's a saying that 50% of the marketing works. We just don't know which 50%. Um, the reason that I love the part of marketing that we're in is that I can pretty much tell what 50% is working or not working. And we hope that it's a lot more than 50% that's working, right? And we can, but we can measure that. Um, but you learn a lot more from the failures, uh, because you know, not to make those mistakes again, and you know, the signs to look for earlier on, um, you know, and, and if you don't think that you've experienced a failure big enough to learn from, or you, you don't feel that a failure has shaped the way that you go about doing something, you're kidding yourself. Um, you know, there's plenty of things that we've learned throughout working with law firms that, you know, certain things work for one type of law firm, but not the other. And so we are able to kind of transfer that knowledge forward as, as we continue to grow our business. So, you know, you, you'll learn a lot more from the failures than the successes. That's great. Um, you know, I think what, what I typically say about that is, is you often know the reason why you failed. Um, yeah. and, and you can have a lesson from that. You don't always know why success happened. And, and sometimes you think, you know, and it actually turns out not to be the reason. And then you start implementing that success reason over and over again. And now you're finding out that it's actually not the reason. So you, you definitely do learn a lot more because I think because of that reason through your failures than, than successes. Um, are you guys looking to hire any positions right now? Uh, not at the current moment. Um, but that changes probably quarterly, you know, um, we, we do have a couple of positions that we have all of the groundwork done for, you know, like we have, um, so we have outcome profiles that we build out. So, you know, how do we set them up for success? How do they set themselves up for success? We have job, we call them job profiles, not job descriptions. Um, so we have job profiles built out because it's a lot more than just, uh, here's what you need to do here, but here's who we are here's who you need to be and who, who we want you to be. Right. So to be a fit for this role, like hopefully you fall within this general criteria of, of, and I hate even saying criteria, it's a narrative, right? It's it's actually a two paragraph, like description of the person. We want people to read that description and be like, Hey, yeah, that's me. Like they just described me and we use disc. Uh, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with that, but we use disc and we use a couple of other outcome profile type stuff to craft that message. Um, and then literally only not even a, a quarter of the page is like a couple of the, the core responsibilities the person will be responsible for. Cause again, it's a lot more about them feeling like they're going to be a good culture fit and them understanding the, who you need to be, to be successful in the role. Um, so, you know, but we have a couple of, of things slotted. We're probably going to add three to four people this year would be our assumption. Awesome. I, I honestly just love the way you think. Um, I, I love that you understand like, that the connotation of specific words matter and 
you know, just using a word because that's how it's always been used is not necessarily the right word or, or the right method. So uh, I just want to highlight that real quick. Last question. Um, any book, you've already mentioned a few, uh, but any book or podcast recommendations? Uh, so, yeah, built, I mean, Built to Sell and Extreme Ownership are huge. Um, another book my team is required to read upon the first 30 days. So they have two books that they really need to read. And, you know, look, we're not, we're not sticklers, you know, obviously if, you know, they have life stuff going on, they're busy, whatever, you know, we give them reading time during, during every day, like our team reads, but, um, yeah, so yeah, we, we ask them to read 30 to 45 minutes a day as part of their work day. Um, but what the heck is EOS is the name of a book. Um, so we run our business on EOS, which is entrepreneurial operating system. Some people know it as traction. Um, but, uh, I'm a big fan of, you know, rocket fuel and traction and those, those books. Um, but I have to tell you too, man, I, as a business owner and somebody that is really works, works a lot, you know, I, I, uh, even when I'm not at work, I'm thinking about work and cause it's, you know, it's part of, part of me at this point, right. Maybe down the line, I'll be able to step a little bit further away, but, um, I do a lot of fiction reading, um, because mm -hmm. it puts me in a different headspace and mm -hmm. it allows me to, completely disconnect. Um, and I have gotten pretty good at disconnecting. Um, I do have a, a personal goal around it. So I still do have goals even around some of the personal things I do. And it's to read 30 books this year. Um, I have completed six and a half as of right now. So I'm a little behind pace. Um, but uh, I, my goal is to do 30 books this year. Man, I, I made a weird noise when you said it, but I love that uh, 30 to 45 minute like during the workday, that's incredible. I, I guess they I report have on it. Yeah. They report on it too. Like so, every day we do a daily huddle, and the the last part of the day or second to last part of the daily huddle is um, reading. What did you read today? And and our only ask is that it, at a bare minimum, one of the things that they read is industry specific, industry related. So that way, there's always a always learn right, an always learn component. But then you know, people are reading a fiction book. Somebody's reading a, 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 a nonfiction book. Somebody's reading a biography, right? Like, totally cool. But make sure that you're continuing to grow yourself during that time, uh, professionally as well as personally. Oh, love it. Uh, and as we come to the end of the episode, I just want to give you an opportunity to mention how people can find you and anything else you'd like to end with. Yeah. So thanks. So yeah, ninesale.com is our website. You know, take take a look. Uh, you can reach out to us there. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn. You know, feel free to reach out there too. But you know, um, I, I love talking to other entrepreneurs. I love talking to agency owners and and firm owners like mine, right? And so um, always down to have a good conversation. And uh, yeah, no, I, I really appreciate you having me on, man. This is uh, this is incredible. I've been looking forward to this for a couple of weeks. So um, thanks for thanks for doing this. This is great. Um, the whole show, I, I think, honestly, this episode from start to finish, you were just uh, saying a whole bunch of valuable stuff. So I thank you for, for coming on the show. And uh, for those of you who have learned something new on this episode, please consider giving us a like or a follow so we can obviously continue getting the highest quality of guests. Uh, and as always, thank you for listening. Joe, thank you so, so much for this. This was great. No problem. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Masters in Marketing Agency podcast. I hope got a ton of value out of this episode. And before we go, I just want to thank our sponsors, DevNoodle. DevNoodle provides marketing agencies with the ability to offer their clients unlimited website design, build, and management services with fixed monthly plans. If website design, development, and maintenance is holding your agency back from growing, please reach out to us at devnoodle.com. 
where we make websites easy, easy for you and easy for your clients, devnoodle.com.